From multiple bona fide locations in Minneapolis or near enough, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Ellen Burns Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. In this episode, we talk with Heather Gardner, Team Toad House Art Director, to discuss imposter syndrome and building a long-term art career. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. Hi, Heather. Welcome. How are you doing today? Oh, you know, pretty good. It's actually yeah. good weather tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is really nice out. It does help a lot. Right. Welcome not just to the show, but to our fair city. Uh, you're a recent Minneapolis... Um, What's the opposite of expat? Inpat. I was going to say convert, but that sounds really cultish. I well, don't know if that's the way I want to go with soon it. Soon enough. The cult of nice games club, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you, you were saying that you, you don't, haven't really explored the city very much yet, right? Nope, nope. The furthest away from uh, where I live I've been has been the Ikea because I needed furniture. So (laughs) I know where the Mall of America is, but I'm pretty sure it's been closed because of COVID. So I have no idea anything else. There's a Denny's over there, though. It's true. (laughs) It's true. We've got them all over the city. (laughs) We have. You know, it makes me feel like home. You know, (laughs) Denny's everywhere. It's fine. You know, when I was, this is, we're just going to get off on this tangent. Apologies to listeners. But growing up, (laughs) I always went to Perkins, which is a regional chain that's similar. And, yeah, me too. And uh, mm-hmm. I never had seen a Denny's in my life until I was in my 20s when they started popping up. But there's still not that many of them around here. Yeah. Compared to, uh, well, it's probably one to one now. But um, but I, I was just thinking, like, why doesn't anybody on a TV show ever talk about Perkins? Why was it about this other place, Denny's? You know? <laughs> it, it's know. Denny's. It's IHOP. It's Waffle House. And and. By the way, like I've never been to a Perkins still. Uh-huh. There's one right down the street and I'm like, well, I need my Denny's fix, but I don't know. I don't know if it'll scratch the same itch. It, it, it probably it, will. I'm pretty sure they're all the same food. It's, it's, like, it's exactly the same. It's just that it will be very weird because you're used to this many dollars equaling this many pancakes at the place you've gone to all your life. And it's like yeah. when it's off by like a tiny amount, like by 10%, it feels like a totally alien world. It's <laughs> no, that's the entirety of Minnesota. I lived in New Hampshire. We didn't have sales tax, all right? Like, oh. Everything's like that here. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, we've got that going on. A uh. <laughs> little bit of a culture shock there. But yeah. Perkins is good. Good muffins, good omelets. Yep. Open 24 hours a day. So one day when you can go to one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, good point. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure they're open for COVID. Yeah. Uh, let's start the conversation. <laughs> I mean, I just want to talk about Perkins. Food. Sure, I yeah, guess. that's our new topic now. <laughs> yeah, is it too late to change now the I script? Want patch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Heather, you um are, are the art director for uh, Team Todos, and you have your own company as well, right? Yes, yes. I uh I work under um the DBA of Thunderbird Paints. I stream, I do um, contract work and commissions and all of that as well. Cool. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, uh, I love that. Um, but so I, I wanted to ask you, I guess, like you, you brought up the topic of or you brought to me when we, I was, we were talking about the interview, um, the topic of imposter syndrome um, and what I want to know what that means in, in your life, what imposter syndrome has had an effect on. 
so to kind of start off with the idea of imposter syndrome, it is it is basically this feeling of it, it's it's just kind of summarize it as this feeling of you don't deserve or belong to be in the space that you're in or that everybody's going to notice somehow that you're not as good as they all seem to be thinking you are. Um, like somehow you fooled everybody or somehow you aren't as good and everybody's giving you lip service. Right. Yeah. Um, and that is something that it's very, it, it envelops the art industry because there's mm-hmm. really no concrete marker of success in the art industry there's always someone who you're looking to as an aesthetic that you're trying to strive towards like every it's so subjective Mm -hmm. so it's not like you know you're coding something and then you get to it and you have a functioning piece and you're like okay this is working exactly as intended you have a concrete success point Mm -hmm. um when you're doing art you're always looking at that and saying but i could have done these things better this was this was not rendered well enough or this uh, this other artist does this in a way that i think is better um so there's always that that comparison that that you you never quite have a a goal line that you can hit yeah that's yeah that's a great way of putting it like there's the goal the the goal posts keep moving they keep changing for you because once you get to a certain point you're like oh i did it but did i really do it like there's more i could be doing i i felt that too like um we actually, I think one of our first topics on the show um, when we were uh, doing a roundtable was imposter syndrome. So, it was our very first episode, in fact. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I'm glad that we brought it back because <laughs> every once in a while, you got to check ourselves. It was almost four yeah. years ago. And those of us, the hosts on the show, we've all developed our careers since mm-hmm. then. But it's as it's a perennial topic. Mm-hmm. Like, like when I was I was thinking about that when we decided that this was going to be our topic that like, oh, four years ago when we talked about that, like. I, we all felt like we were just getting into s- these spaces, having s- some success, feeling that 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 validation from people and not quite believing it. And then yeah. four years later, it's like, it doesn't really feel any different. It's like, you can't cure yeah. it, but success doesn't cure it, you know? Right. Mm-mm. Yeah, I, I, I four years ago, I um, was not, a pro- I, I say professional in that, like, nobody was paying me to make video games um, before. But, like, now I'm getting paid to make video games and, I've, you know, gotten invited to go to PAX and, and I went to E3 last year and I did a whole bunch of stuff. But like, it still feels, I still feel that, that imposter syndrome, um, that goalpost moving thing. Cause like, mm-hmm. it feels like the games I'm making are, they small time, whatever that arbitrary like measurement is. Um, yeah. So like, I totally feel where you're coming from. Heather. Oh yeah. No, it's, ab- it's absolutely pervasive and it's not mm-hmm. just in, it's definitely not just in art. It's in everywhere. Um, and it is that like, okay, I've made this sure, but this person over here made this and it, it's, it goes all the way to the top, right? It's even if the really successful people, um, I went to a convention recently, um, called Lightbox, And one of the speakers there was one of the artists who did the, uh, the design for Loki's outfit in Thor Ragnarok. Right. Oh. And cool you listen to him talk and he's very confident about his designs. He's like, listen, I, I did these choices for this. I did this, but you should see this other person's design. This is, and he's talking about, he's walking on the shoulders of greatness and how he's, mm-hmm. he has to fill these big shoes and he doesn't feel like he could ever make it to this point where he, he, he's even close to the level of the greatness that he's aspiring to. And you look at this guy 
and he's doing the designs for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. He is there. He's the thing that all the rest of us are aspiring to. Right. Yeah. And he's looking at that. And But look at this other artist I work with. Oh, my God, they're amazing. Hmm. Right. And that's almost validating in a way to hear it from somebody who's who, who's even further along than you think that that you are it's it's yeah. it's validating to hear it from others to hear okay i'm not the only one that feels this way maybe maybe a lot of us feel this way yeah i wonder too if there are some you know two two maybe related factors that also maybe contribute to imposter syndrome being something that's maybe more prevalent in like the arts versus um something that's more mm, techie technical you know you mentioned programming but like you know any industry where there are very clearly right things and wrong things and there might be certifications along the way so that you can get milestones in your career. But with art, um, I think, you know, one thing is like you have to, you want to keep growing as an artist. So you keep pushing yourself. And as long as you keep pushing yourself, you're going to be occupying spaces that aren't exactly comfortable. Right. And so you keep coming back to that feeling of imposter syndrome because you never you never leave that emotional space, even though your skills are evolving. That, that emotional space kind of feels similar because you're always pushing yourself a little bit more. And I think that relates to the second factor I wanted to bring up here for us to discuss, which is I think art requires, like, if you're going to do good art, it requires a level of emotional openness and vulnerability and humility that you bring to the world so that you can be open to the things that it's giving you and process it back into your art. Um, and I think that those kind of two dynamic, those things that create a dynamic that might feed back into each other, maybe the hand motions I'm making over video help make that <laughs> sound like it makes sense. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Does that, does those, do those words resonate with you at all, Heather? I think there, that definitely is. I mean, it, it's the same thing. You're constantly evolving. If you're not constantly evolving, if you're just happy and comfortable with where you are, then you're going to be somewhat stagnant. Um, and, but then maybe you're not feeling it. But I think the humility is a big part of it. Mm. A lot of what you come into, what comes into play with game design, animation, um, any professional arts, I mean, any small commission I do, if I do a character design for, or a character illustration for somebody who's playing Dungeons and Dragons and just wants their character drawn, right? It always comes with feedback and criticism, right? I might, and people don't, necessarily describe things in a full people describe feelings i want this character to feel like this i want them to feel uh welcoming uh they feel uh very sensual they feel whatever right Mm -hmm. and they might have ideas of outfit pieces like oh they have this really cute corset and then that's about it that's that's the level of detail i might get they have brown hair and blue eyes right um and then I have to take that and I have to go on it. So it's part of part of that is that translation from I'm translating their feelings into art. And I don't always hit the mark. And so you have to be able to look at that and be like, I'm not hitting the mark. And if you're not hitting the mark a lot, that's only going to fuel your like, oh, God, what am I doing? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if you're hitting the mark every almost every time, you know, I've, I've had the last like five commissions that I've done and, and the last five character designs that I've done for Call Me Sarah. Um, everybody's like, oh, this is great. Cool. This is awesome. Just go with that. That's that's great. And then you're like, OK, what are people not telling me? 
<laughs> I, I can't be perfect all the time. This is not perfect. Like I can't yeah. be perfect. And so you're, you're expecting that level of criticism. So if everybody's like, oh, this is great. What, what am I, what am I missing? What didn't I, what didn't I, what didn't I do? Nobody's telling me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there's like, I don't know. I don't know if you feel this too, Heather, but like I, uh, sometimes I feel like I'm stagnating with mm-hmm. my work. Like um, if like, I'm not getting any strong negative emotions. <laughs> then, like, then I'm just then I'm just going through the motions and like people are satisfied enough with my work but they're not like they don't get a lot of energy from it or something like that I don't know if you feel that too sometimes no I definitely I definitely get that that's okay. absolutely yeah I've had those clients that I'll, I'll submit something and and they'll look at it and they'll be like oh this is perfect and I'm like okay okay and then like I don't feel <laughs> I don't feel I don't feel validated by that because mm-hmm. like yes. uh, it not it's not sometimes it is about that back and forth like i'm like here's a first draft and they're like great uh, send me an invoice and i'm like all right i mean good i suppose but um yeah. that's part of the process but the other part of it is that when i get that right away i'm like oh but i didn't feel like it was done so i can't trust you to 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 evaluate me and so yeah. your so your approval doesn't mean anything to me and mm-hmm. that's not i don't I mean, sometimes it's literally true, but it's in general, not a healthy response, I think. But I feel that all the yeah. time when I get that just immediate, like, of course, that's great. It's like, okay, um, I almost like, I kind of want, I want more attention paid, but like, that's not their job. <laughs> like, even in a yeah. really professional environment where their validation does have value, it's like, it's not their job to walk through every bit of it, because then they could just make it, you know, like, yeah. like, uh, but that's kind of what you want. You want to hear why that all the little choices you made are correct and learned and a result of expertise and 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 uh, trials and all of that. You want to all of that to be validated. Just a checkbox is like not enough, and it's it'll never ever be enough. It's like you want the process validated, not just the product. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Actually, that's a really good summary. That that breaks it like that's his core right there. I think yeah. you just hit the nail on the head. All right, episode's done. See you later. <laughs> All right, wrap it up, guys. <laughs> Ellen regularly solves our uh, big questions early in the episode, and then we just spend the rest of the time just filling air. Like that's yep. talking about Perkins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm I'm done feeling like an imposter. Let's talk about breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> um, other so a random thought that's kind of been bubbling up the last couple of minutes as I'm hearing us talk about this is is this where the stereotype of the tortured artist comes from? Like, oh, absolutely. It's it seems like this is the root of that. Hmm. Yeah. So it's it's that plus the idea and in in the game industry and in the animation industry and in the general illustration like you know, books and, and what have you. There's it, it, even in graphic design, everything's so, and historically this has kind of been the way there was only a short time frame where artists had like a full time position in a company. Um, there's so much that's contract based. There's so much that you're constantly changing. You're constantly changing projects. You're constantly, you're, you know, you're a contract artist over here. You might be um, just commissioned for a one-off over here and you're, constantly moving and shifting your focus and you never feel stable i think and there are some game studios that and there are some you know animation studios that employ full-time uh artists but 
so much of the industry in both sides is you're constantly having to prove yourself. You're constantly having to reapply. You're constantly having to reevaluate your portfolio because that's how you're going to be getting more gigs. And it is the gig economy for yeah. the art industry. So I think that also kind of, that also feeds into that feeling of I'm never stable. I'm never there. I'm never like that, that torture in and of itself. Like where's my next meal coming from? That's the starving artist is, is where is that mm -hmm. next big project coming from? If I don't get a big project for two or three months, am I going to start panicking? It, 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 it all feeds back into itself. So then am I not good enough or yeah, it's a self fulfilling sort of cycle. Yeah. Yeah. For contractors in particular, because, uh, you know, if you work in an office, you are going for a promotion or a raise or just a good employee review. Those are like mechanics to use a game design term that can provide you with with uh, sort of satisfaction, job satisfaction. As a contractor, it's you're, it's based on like reputation and that's like up in the air, you know, like referrals and it doesn't happen in front of you. And so you you get a job because a client referred you, but it still feels like you're starting over with every new project, with every new client. And so it's a little harder to get that sense of like, this piece of success was a result of the last piece, was a result of the last piece, so that you feel like you're moving forward. And even if right. you are getting better, and even if, but you're never going to, you're going someone loves the work you do early in your career. It, they're going to say it in the same way that someone who loves work that took you 10 times as long was 30 times harder and was and was much more important. The person who tells you you did a great job then is going to say it the same way. And so it's not going to feel like you've made you've made any progress at all. Right. Yeah. There's not yeah, there's not a sense of progression as a or it's not a a, a more solidified sense of progression as is like a, as a contractor maybe than there is in uh when you're, you know, I guess working for companies. Um, right. I guess it's a little bit, yeah, it's a little bit different, like with video games, because like in order for you to move up, a lot of the time you just switch to a different job, mm -hmm. um, and so like you're like it, it feels there's like a sense of moving on in addition to moving up, and it can feel like you have to you have to like become a better designer, artist, programmer, what have you, in a new in a completely new area all of a sudden, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and so that can help you feel like an imposter too. I think like. Um, we had a, uh, a, a UI artist, uh, Jason Fister who used to live here, uh, in Minnesota and he went to, he went to work for Bungie to work on Destiny 2. Um, and he became uh, an art director, I believe. Um, and I, I remember hearing that like he, you know, he was experiencing that, that he felt like he didn't belong there. He felt like all these other people were much more talented than him and that he didn't deserve to like lead this team of people to make whatever destiny things he's making um i don't know exactly <laughs> the details of his job but um so like he still he still felt that even when he like literally got a better title and a diff at a at a large you know at a large uh, large company um, mm -hmm. in video games so I, I think it may be a different flavor but i think it, it hits it always hits yeah yeah and not yeah. to go back to that that convention that i was at um there was another mm -hmm. game industry game studio that did one of the talks um it was actually uh, Maxis, right? Mm -hmm. um, the team for Sims 4 did a talk. Yeah. And the thing that I pulled away from that was, you know, I'm constantly looking at Instagram. I'm constantly looking at 
all the people who I, I've been sent some people's portfolios from school and they're like, I'm like, all right, throw in the towel, kids, I'm done. But <laughs> yeah. they they had the same response, right? They're they're a group that's actually on staff. They're a full time uh, art development team for The Sims, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you would figure that would give them a little bit more stability, feel, you know, a little bit more of a stable feeling, a little yeah. bit less of that imposter syndrome. Yeah. But then because they're in the professional sphere, um, they have the same thing that I have where somebody will send me, somebody will send them their portfolio, just that, like they'd send me their portfolio to review. Mm-hmm. And they'll look at these portfolios that people just in college or coming out of college are doing. And they're like, what am what am I doing here? What are they not doing here? Why are, their art is so much more developed. It's so much more finished. Yeah. And the thing, the thing that is hard to remember in that moment uh, is that, and in like the moment of your friend working at Bungie, it's about the exact skill set that you need at that moment, right? You might not be as good of an artist as somebody else. I might not be as good of an artist as the, um, Instagram, you know, big names, but it's my aesthetic that in my taste and the way that I render things, that was why I was chosen for this project or it's my communication style. And so for an art director, you need more than anything else. You need to be able to be somebody who can translate what the development team and translate what the project directors and what have you are telling you and put that into whatever it is you're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's just as much communication. So that might be a skill set that no one tells you is so important in the mm-hmm. art world. It's not just about creating beautiful images. It's it's this communication side. And it's hard to remember that when you're comparing yourself to like half of the world on dev art, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Yeah. Your success, your current, you know, position is dependent on multiple dimensions right your ability to perform the work is more than just your ability to take digital pen to screen or whatever um it's it's being able to work as part of this system that's generating this complicated product um that and that's true whether you're building a triple a game or a card game or you know an indie or anything it's there's just a lot more that goes into it than just producing the art, which, you know, everyone knows, but it's not in your face all the time. You're not always getting feedback on that. You're not, you're not sitting down and saying, okay, um, client, how was my, how was my teamwork? I mean, you might ask those questions, but like they came to you to get, they came to, they came to you primarily to get the art, to get the product. And then also they want a good experience out of that, but it's a lot, you know, a lot more of the feedback and the focus is on the, is on the art itself. And um, you don't, you don't, it, it's hard to see that in your own work, in your own uh, professional relationships, but you, it's impossible to see it in others because you're not in mm-hmm. those, you're not in those, you don't, not sharing those emails. You're not in those Slack rooms. And so yeah. when you see other people's work and you compare yourself to them, you don't know by what standard it's, it's judged against. You don't know how it's suitable for its, its purpose and how that because there's just too many dimensions that are just hidden to you and so you mm-hmm. just look at what you can compare and it's just not it's not a balanced equation right yeah yeah i mean you look at that portfolio that came across your desk and it might look amazing but you don't know like how many temper tantrums that person threw as they were trying to put it together or <laughs> whether they made their significant other's life a living hell 
while they were working on it and didn't get any sleep for two weeks. You don't know what went into it. Yeah. Don't call me out like that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Healthy communication and work-life balance, please. No. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not always about... Um, you know, look, uh, being jealous and then fantasizing that they suck in other ways. Like that's yeah. one way to balance the equation, I guess. But <laughs> it's really about like, I, I mean, a lot of times you'll see this incredible concept art it's in, in games a lot. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. it, it's, um, and it, it fits so well with the game in, in the end. And it's like, oh, that's really great. But it was actually easy for them to make that next step. Whereas the work I was doing was so much harder. But if all you look at is just the, the canvases, they, you know, that you can compare them in one way. And of course, you're always the harshest critic of your own work. But even if you were somehow objective, you still don't know exactly what additional challenges, regardless of whether you or the thing you're comparing against met those challenges, you don't know the scale of them. And so it's hard to give yourself credit uh, for the challenges that don't end up being uh, easily reflected in the final piece. And that and uh, if you look at a lot of the concept art, that's actually the concept art, quote unquote, that's put out there after the fact, it's it's not that those quick gestural things that you get, that's not those quick like feeling based things like, okay, we need this asset over here. We need this over here. It's things like keyframes and it's things like, it's things that have a little bit more polish, like this outfit that we've rendered and rendered and rendered until we finally got it done. A lot of the gaming art books that I had on my shelf, that I have on my shelf that I've collected over the years, a lot of those are are almost marketing arts, especially for the AAA stuff. It's it's stuff that's created or it's polished up after the words, uh, afterwards or it's stuff that it was the final draft. You don't see that yeah. those iterations. So when people are looking at concept art, they miss the whole gestural, they miss the unfinished, unpolished portions of it. Yeah, and I like I like that we're talking about like this kind of things, the, the the work that goes into making the product itself, because I think that's a method that you can help. Um, what's the word? Uh, convince yourself that you're not an imposter, I suppose. Because um, like, yeah, because like I, I think about that too. Like I think about the work that like I'm not a, I'm not an artist in in the in the traditional drawing sense, but I, I you know I'm a game designer, um, and so. Uh, I think about that, like my designs and like why I designed this thing the way I did. Um, like I think about that in terms of Rhythm Rumble. Um, I was having a conversation with my boss about it and that like um, this Rhythm Rumble is like a, a rhythm fighting game that I'm making at my job. Um, and it's it's built to be simpler than most fighters. Um, like you really each character really only has like three attacks and like a special move. And like it's not super it's not super deep. So like my boss was asking me, do you think that um, people in the fighting game community would be like really into this game? Like, would they, uh, would they, you know, talk about it on their streams and things like that? And I like, honestly, I, I said no, because uh, the game is not that deep. It's not deep compared to like Marvel versus Capcom or uh, uh, Street Fighter or whatever. And like, it's built that way intentionally. Um, and so like, even though the game is not as mechanically deep as other fighting games, it still has a place and it still has a purpose. And I built it for these purposes. Um, and so I had to keep that in mind as like, I'm having this conversation with my boss because like, he, he's not intentionally saying your game sucks. Why are we building this? But like, it feels like that. <laughs> um, and so I have to keep, I have to keep telling, I have to keep telling myself that no, the game is good. 
the the purpose of I built it is different from like the questions he's asking. He's just trying to get a better understanding of what it is, mm-hmm. how we can market the game, and who we can market it to, mm-hmm. so that it has the best chance of success. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like trying to help me out, but like in, in the back of my head, I'm like, uh, is this good? <laughs> Why did I? Oh do yeah, this it's definitely yeah. designing towards your audience, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's figuring out. You know, my my artwork n- might not be the type that um the instagram audience wants they don't they want that like really like it takes those artists you know a month to complete a drawing um but my audience might be different and that's something that's something that with your game your audience might not be your traditional fighters but it might be something like you know more the the rhythm game players or somewhere in between like the party game players the people who want that that fun social or that fun like i don't know if relaxing is the word but like a stress relief right yeah 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 exactly um so like i think when like people yeah see other people's work and go oh my work could be my work isn't as good as this it it, it i think it just oftentimes is that like your work is serving a different audience hmm. and it helps to keep that in mind it helps to keep be conscious of that because otherwise you'll start getting bogged down thinking about all of the all of the details and the, how they made this product when you when you like like everyone here has been saying you don't really know all of the details of what went into this project. Mm-hmm. Steven, I've been you feeling similar to you in I'm doing a lot yeah. of UI work for um, for Metro Nexus right now and mm-hmm. I I set up a ton I establish a ton of rules for how it looks. And um, it's very, it's a graphic design system inspired by graphic design systems. So it's really, really, it's very much about that. And I, and as I'm like digging into it and like trying to make it look readable and have it, the UX be also really working, I'm thinking like, man, like the actual amount of like shapes and lines are very, there's not a lot going on. And I've been working Mm -hmm. on this for a long time. And I, yeah. I, I'll catch myself thinking like, like, wow, I, there's, there's so little going on here. And then I, I have to remind myself like what the purpose of it was and how long <laughs> it took me to get that, that purpose working and how, yeah. um, and, and sort of give myself a little bit of slack because I'll just be like, I can't believe I spent this long drawing these squares, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I, you know, I've compared to my own work sometimes too, is like, and, and it's because Imposters isn't isn't just about like comparing yourself to others. It's like comparing yourself in the moment, you know, feeling yeah. like not mm. up to your standard, and then think, oh well, if I'm not up to my my highest standard all the time, then that highest standard must have been a fluke or something. And so it, there's just a lot of psychology involved with it, and you do have to remind yourself about all those other dimensions that you bring to it, and not just that like that makes you good enough, right? Because like mm. people, the the opposite side of that is being overconfident and not having a lot of or not learning from your experience or from or, or, or growing, right? You don't yeah. want you don't want to get you don't want to ignore imposter syndrome and get complacent, but yeah. uh, um, it's you have to catch yourself every time when you have those first reactions to like, wait, does this suck? It it probably sucks. Like you know, <laughs> you, have rem- you have to remember that like yeah. that's all. That's never it's it, like it, it almost doesn't matter what the answer to that question is because it's not really the question that the the works is serves right. Yeah. Yeah, the question is at the very least, does it suck for what I'm trying to do? Right. Does it <laughs> does it do its job? Is kind yeah. of right. And, and in games, particularly, you know, all of all of the little pieces are part of a whole, 
right? And so it, it's maybe even e it might be easier for those of us in this field to to get, find our way to that understanding. Um, mm -hmm. But it's it's not easy. And I'm 100% with you with the imposter syndrome isn't against everybody else. Yeah. I find myself, as soon as you said that, I find myself, I like can hear my own voice. This isn't, somebody else tell me, oh, this looks really good. I'm like, it's not my, it's not my quality. Mm -hmm. It's not what I want to present. It's like, like baking some cookies and you overbaked one tray and you're like, I can't serve this to people. This isn't my quality. Yeah. Um, like, it's like that. Mm. Um, and it, it's the same thing with art and with, um, design of any form or creative processes of any form you create a game if it, even if you're creating like a little mobile game it's like is this my quality and then you're constantly in that battle i found that there's a really good way for me to kind of break myself out of that is besides walking away from it for a few minutes just walk away have a cup of tea come back flip if it's an image flip it upside flip it backwards so you're not looking at those small little details that you were looking at mm -hmm. Flip it horizontally or put it in a mirror if you're working on a physical piece, anything like that. And then you're looking at it like with a fresh eye. It's it's a weird trick that you can do. It looks like a completely different piece when you do that. Yeah. Um, and then you can see more errors. You can see what you can fix and what you can't fix. But then you pick out one or two things that you really like about what you're doing right now. You might be able to say, oh, that tower is crooked. I don't want that to be crooked. I didn't realize that was crooked before. Maybe that's what's throwing the whole thing off. But I really love how the rendering of that shrub looks. I love how the shape goes there. I didn't even see that shape. I intended that shape, but I didn't even see it happening. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it wasn't. So I kept trying to go back in and, and carve it and carve it because I was so deep into it. And I feel like the same thing goes for UI design because I'm also doing that for Call Me Sarah. And I have to keep looking at it like, is this too busy? Is it too busy? And then you look at it as a whole, like you have to flip it around and look at it as a whole and say, okay, no, this, this feels like one plane. Like this is, this is how it should feel. Yeah. Um, I think that that could help a lot of people. It's not going to make it go away. I don't think imposter mm -hmm. syndrome is something that is easy to just say, oh, just you believe in yourself. Just say, thank you. Just, <laughs> just accept the compliments and, and suddenly it'll go away which you should be accepting the compliments. Don't like <laughs> go back and be like, oh, but this isn't my quality. If somebody's like, I really like this, this piece that you made. Don't, don't be like, oh, I hate this piece. This isn't my quality because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You know, be like, thank you. Is, and, and maybe even ask, is there anything about it in particular that you like? And that's a follow-up that can give you that validation, yeah. that going back to that validation that we were talking about. Is there anything in particular that you liked? Or is there anything in here that you feel like could be different? that you would do differently. Mm -hmm. And then you get a different, you get to get a different perspective, but then you found something that you're like, this is a valid thing that somebody liked. And for this reason, um, and the same thing you can do it with yourself. It helps a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't think imposter syndrome will ever go away from me. I think it's something that's always going to be eating away at my insides. It's just one of those balance beam things. Like you yeah. have to have a little bit of a balance to keep it from mm -hmm. overwhelming. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I like what you're saying about that too, because like what like what Mark was saying also, um, that like you don't want to completely ignore imposter syndrome because then you then you really get stagnant or you really you know start to think too highly of yourself. Um, I, I read a tweet once um, that was like impo real imposters don't go through imposter syndrome, hmm. um, which yeah, it it feels <laughs> that feels real. <laughs> um, yeah, like it, it, 
like by having that and like constantly maybe not constantly, but just like paying attention to things you can improve, things, what other people are doing, things you like about their things, uh, things you like about what they've made. Um, that helps make, that helps you improve and it helps you keep improving. Mm-hmm. Um, and that drive will, you know, propel you to new heights. Um, just, kind yeah, you like- just want to make sure to keep it in check. Like you were saying, Heather, you want to have like, keep it in check, keep it balanced so that like, you're not dragging yourself down by feeling like uh, your art isn't worth what it is. Like, accept accept that part of imposter syndrome that is the drive to grow and the drive to get better um, and to create good work, but don't accept the part of imposter syndrome that causes you pain. Yes. Yes. You know, then then your balance beam is tilted too far in one direction. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is totally a, viable thing to go back like I recently went back and started picking up so I've only been doing digital I used to be I was a graphic designer for a long time um, and I was a painter for a long time but I've only been doing digital illustration for about a year and a half now Um, because prior to that it was all like you know your standard graphic design and UI and that sort of thing Um, and then my paintings and those are completely different And, and any illustration I did I would I would scan in Right. And so people were using scanned illustrations of mine for various projects or what have you. Um, me looking back a year and a half ago at my digital illustration, mm-hmm. it is it is pain. Right. For me looking <laughs> back like three years at my physical illustration as I was trying to do this stuff that I was seeing other people do and not realizing that I already was developing in a way that was contrary to I can't do sharp lines. I can't do your standard like sharp line anime or American animation sort of clean. Like it's something Mm -hmm. that I'm working on, but it's something that is not exactly in my wheelhouse as much as I would like it to be. Um, Part of that is I just don't have the right tools, Mm -hmm. right? I don't have the right programs that do a good vector line. And that makes a huge difference. As soon as I got the right tool for digital illustration, I got a Cintiq. Suddenly, my my illustrate my digital illustration caught up with my painting. Mm-hmm. You know, my painting skills were already I feel like here, and then my digital illustration was well down here. So I was always embarrassed to do it. Um, and I started doing it on stream, and I was like, "Oh my god, I this is the worst thing ever." But I look back, and it caused me it, it forced me to keep doing it, right? Yeah. And I look back, and and I watched how quickly I caught back up to my physical illustration skills. So now I'm doing I'm taking my old digital illustrations and redrawing them as I would hmm. now. And just putting those side by side and just putting them in front of me every time I'm like, I am not doing okay. I just put that up. I'm like, I'm doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a cool technique. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is smart. I think that's good. Like think about like your past works and see how you've improved. Actually see the progression mm-hmm. in your work is it. I think that's clever. As long as you're not taking your Mona Lisa and comparing everything to your Mona Lisa, you can. You can have that up there as like, this is my this is my favorite piece I've ever made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That might be your favorite piece you've ever made for reasons that aren't technical. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. or reasons that wouldn't fit the project you're working on now. Right. Yeah. Um, you can look at that and say, you know, this is my favorite piece I've made for how connected I feel to this for these physical um features of it right you can be like mm-hmm. oh well, i love how the rendering went i i did the light and shadow really well in this um and then you can say i want to apply those features to future works yeah 
but you might never have that same uh, emotional connection to a piece again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I heard, I can't remember who did Mona Lisa, but I heard that like the person who did Mona Lisa didn't think that highly of Mona Lisa. <laughs> and I think people just saw it and put it in museums and now everybody loves it. So <laughs> I don't know what that else. <laughs> I might be wrong too. I told you I'm not an artist. <laughs> oh, no. uh, <laughs> it, it's absolutely the case that the piece that you love the most is not necessarily the piece that everybody else loves. Yeah. Okay, I'll put up a piece that I'm like, I have worked so hard on this. I love this piece. It's my favorite thing in the world. And then people like my meme drawing that I did over there. It's well rendered. It's fine. It's a good, you know, it's it's okay, but it's it's what everybody likes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that goes back to like the, the purpose it serves, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the thing, it's like, I love this peace of mind because it, 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 uh, it's an example of everything I've learned. And I've, I was on all cylinders and, but it's for no one. Like, yeah, you know? <laughs> like, that doesn't mean it's not the best thing I've made by the standards at which I'm making that judgment. But then when, when something I just like, you know, uh, improvised over an hour or whatever, and whatever it is, you know, music or writing or art or anything. And then people really react to that. Like that can be very frustrating. But then you're like, oh, no, that that did what they needed that to do. And so and it, but you cannot help but compare those things using criteria that that they don't share. Um, mm-hmm. And if you keep that in mind, that's very helpful. And if you find that thing that is your favorite um, or is you think is the best, like take some time to analyze why you think that's the case. Like, is it because you feel like you got lucky? Well, if that's the case, then analyze what you did and try to play forensics because then you can maybe learn something to apply it forward. Is it just because people really liked it? Um, then maybe examine if that's what you want your art to do. Like, and is, is that a healthy uh, a view or not? Um, and uh, just to have like a larger view of all those different dimensions without going crazy thinking about it, I guess. I don't, yeah. I don't have advice <laughs> well, on how to balance too. that. But. <laughs> like if you say have a tweet and it goes like completely viral, right? Mm-hmm. I had a friend this happened to. He's been trying to recreate that, recreate that. He's going nuts trying mm-hmm. to recreate that. Mm-hmm. He can't figure it out. Sometimes the algorithm is your best friend. And sometimes it just hates you. Yeah. Like yeah. you cannot judge your success. And this is something that for anyone, for any industry, for anybody who's just sitting there shouting out into the void. And that's what I call it. I call mm-hmm. all of my social media engagement shouting into the void. Mm-hmm. Because the void doesn't always echo back. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a void. Um, you never know what's going to catch or not catch because the algorithm is changing all the time and trying to sit there and figure it out. I've got friends who sit there and try to figure out the algorithms to try to make it big. Mm-hmm. It, it just drives them nuts and it, it constantly mm-hmm. gets the feeling like they'll sit there, they'll post something, they'll stare at the numbers. You mm-hmm. can't oh, stare yeah. at the numbers because that is not a measurement of your <laughs> worth or your work's worth. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to not equate your worth to those numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had pictures that have gotten, you know, hundreds of likes on like Instagram. And I'm like, I don't know what I did that people really like this. Maybe it was just the right tag, but I have no further information on this. I try that mm-hmm. tag later on. No, you get like two or three likes yeah. and it's just so, it's so hit or miss mm-hmm. that even the big artists out there who are, and, and the big, you know, the big names who are who are posting things, they might not get caught correctly by the algorithm. You see on YouTube, all the big YouTube, uh, you know, content creators out there who are like, yeah, the algorithm basically nerfed this video over here that I created last week. 
mm. and it bumped up this other one. Uh, and, and so it's just, don't count yourself by the void. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like well, trying to catch lightning. And you have to, uh, I've, I've heard this about YouTubers that it's, that, that you are constantly focused on the numbers because that's a, it's an existential question, right? Is if you can, yeah. uh, if you are trying to make a, a living with it. And so right. that's understandable, but uh, certainly as an, as an artist in any field, you have to be able to separate those concerns from the concerns about the quality of your work, which isn't to say that there isn't a connection. Um, I mean, if it's a just universe, there should be some connection. But mm-hmm. um, I think it can very quickly to say, oh, yeah, this thing I, I, I posted got a ton of likes. Uh, and and, and it, not because it's good because it hit at a certain moment or because it, you know, and you can investigate as to why it did well, or you can decide it, you don't need to know the answer to that. But it's you have to sort of avoid confusing one kind of success with another but just like that uh, we're talking about like balance you can't like it's great to love your art and and hide it in your closet like <laughs> if that's what you want to do with it right but um so it, you kind of always have to risk conflating those things if you're if you're going to do this professionally right mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely <laughs> So we get some pretty good reviews from listeners. We've gotten them over the years. People saying lots of really nice things. But I gotta say, haven't gotten a lot lately. Is that something that you've noticed? Yeah, I have noticed that. What's up with that? Is it that that the link isn't working? Is it that people's phones are broken, do you think? What what, what could be the reason? We should, uh, we should, we should, I don't know. We should, we should look into that. We should ask for feedback. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I mean... But, we'll, we'll investigate it on our end, dear listener. But in the meantime, yes. if you could take a look into that yourself and see what's preventing you from leaving a review of Nice Games Club in Apple Podcasts <laughs> or wherever else you can review a podcast, that we'd very much appreciate uh, the effort there. Um, yeah, you know, say some nice things. Yeah. Um, I think I think it I think it might only work if you give us five stars. Um, yeah, I think that's true. That might be part of the right. Issue. Right, people are people, people trying to give five trying stars, to be though. like fair and do like four and a half stars or or you know yeah. I mean forbid four or fewer and it's just not going oh. through because that's not how it works. You have to do they're the only ones that are valid. I I, I read that someplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's right. Um, I, this I, is this is a very Minnesota nice way of asking. <laughs> <laughs> how appropriate for this this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so ellen why 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 do we want people to give us reviews what, what does that do for us well you know it honestly it makes us feel like we aren't just shouting out into the void um but it also helps us you know get ideas for what we might want to talk about in future episodes i mean game development game industry is huge there's so much to talk about all the time but you know we're all looking at it through the lenses of our own brains and there are a lot more brains out there like your brain and we want to hear what your brain is interested in so we can talk to that yeah tell us what you like about the show so that we can provide more of that um and of course just getting the review out there so that we you know uh uh move up in notice uh on these platforms helps the show get noticed and get more listeners which means that we'll you know be able to provide a better show for everybody so we really would appreciate it um head over to apple podcasts or wherever you can leave uh, podcast reviews and give us those five stars and a, a nice little message if you are so inclined to let us know what you like about the show um, and you know what you'd like to see more of.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba da ba ba ba. I wanted to ask um, about like the art field in general, Heather, because uh, I think that uh, I mean, I've, as I've displayed well enough today uh i don't <laughs> really know much about art um and i wanted to ask like what um what it's like to start um developing art i know there's a portfolio involved i know that like that because like that's kind of how i i did it even though like i don't um uh, i developed i developed a bunch of games and then like i sent it to these people and then they hired me for it um i imagine is that process similar um in the art field too yes and no Okay, it's so okay. it's 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 yes and no in the fact that uh, you have you have your portfolio, right? You create these pieces, you work on these projects, and that becomes your portfolio. Sure. Um, and you put that out there, and you might apply to specific things. Um, I I joke that there are certain companies out there in the game industry whom uh, probably have restraining air orders out on me for the number of times I've submitted my portfolio. You know, those, those pictures on the wall of like at, at a convenience store, like don't <laughs> sell to this person. Yeah. That's a couple of game industry places uh, from over the years for the last like 10 years. It's at least once a year, but <laughs> eventually they'll have to answer me. Yeah, so, right. um, but uh, it's, also a little bit of luck, right? So if you're the more eyes, and this actually goes back to the social media, right? Somebody might luck upon your portfolio and say, wow, that is exactly what I'm looking for. That's the feeling. And that's, again, it goes back to that feeling, right? Yeah. Your art has to, in some way, may and may not stylistically, maybe color-wise, maybe light, maybe the gestural uh, level of it, maybe the subject matter you draw, but in some way has to jive with the project that they're hunting so if they come across your Twitter and say, or your Instagram or your art station or whatever it is, right? Um, and they say, wow, this really jives with the project I'm going to be working on. Let me see if I can get this person in. And this is how a lot of people in the industry actually get their start. Um, you can, there's definitely the traditional route of like just going and applying with a portfolio. Um, 
it definitely takes like a certain type of portfolio and it's always mm -hmm. changing. Like it's yeah. the portfolio requirements for each, like you even ask people in the art industry and everyone has a different answer of what should be in your portfolio. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's almost luck in that way. You can't be like, look, I created these games. I'm applying to create this game that's similar. Um, or I've done, you know, I'm a UI designer. I've done all of these. Look, I've, I've proven that I can do UI here. Like I have these qualifications. It's almost like it's because it's so heavily subjective. Yeah. It's, it's almost a bit of luck, mm -hmm. uh, in, in a way uh, how I ended up working on call me Sarah was, was absolutely a bit of luck. Um, not to say that I hadn't been working hard. It's, it's luck combined with hard work and combined with making sure that you are visible on a lot of platforms and you are constantly putting yourself out there, not to the point where you're making yourself sick or anything. You always have to have that balance, but shout into the void a little bit. Just, just, just expect an echo. Just, yeah, you know, just shout into the void just a bit. And that it's a good way to start. Mm -hmm. I guess on some level we're doing that here on nice games club, right? <laughs> we, that's, a little bit of the reason why we made this podcast is so people can hear us. That makes sense. Yeah, uh, it, like putting yourself out there doesn't always mean in the traditional sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Right. Um, and, and we've always advocated on this show, uh, join communities, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. And join them honestly. Don't join them to go to networking events. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because if you going to not not that you can go anywhere these days, but metaphorically, going into a room and shaking a bunch of hands isn't going to get you the job. Being places and making friends and being and helping others will 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 make you will raise your status uh, amongst other people. And then when those people are looking to bring someone on, you've got a leg up. Mm -hmm. And so it's a natural yeah. consequence of being a good person in a good community is that you can have. Um, you can have those opportunities. So there's a little, there's hustle, right? You want to, you know, the, um, but at the same time, you, you, you kind of can't force it. Right. Right. And there's, and that's absolutely, that's absolutely the case. That's a lot of, a lot of jobs are gotten in, you know, in social events. Right. Yeah. Like I only like Alana pulled me into this project because we were friends first. Um, and I, I make friends with all the artists that I can mm -hmm. because I like to I like to have different eyes. And it's actually kind of one of those things where I started my community specifically to be somewhere where people could be comfortable coming in, making friends with other artists, maybe getting critiques, maybe not getting critiques. And and I started it that way with that mindset. Um, I've met some really cool people and some really cool artists in the in that way. And but that's also how you make connections and get eyes on your work. Um it's not just tweeting out and hoping for the best. Yeah. Um, it's why the, the standard portfolio thing doesn't necessarily work the same way, okay. right? Somebody might be like, don't put fan art. Another person's like, put whatever you're passionate about drawing. And I want to see if you draw a lot of Pokemon, maybe my project's similar right. to Pokemon, right? Um, that, that, sort of, that sort of dichotomy. But if you're talking with people as you're doing it and you're interacting with communities, you're interacting with other artists and with other streamers and, and not as like a I'm schmoozing, but as a I want to grow with you guys, like I want to hang out with you guys, like I want to actually like talk about my art because one way or another, 
communicating with people makes you better. You learn something about yourself and you learn something about the world. Mm-hmm. It, it is a constant growth thing whenever you interact with a new person. Goes, yeah. goes back to being open and having that growth, growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, they say it's who you know, and that's sort of a cynical uh, aphorism. But you can go out and start knowing people. Like it's not an impossible task. Mm-hmm. You know, it's harder for some than others, but like uh, that that doesn't always that that phrase can be um, something to reach for rather than something to just lament. Mm. You know, and it makes sense too. Like when you ha- you build you gain the trust of others, and you you and you 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 learn to trust them, and then it's just easier to have professional relationships with those people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, someone delivers you an excellent portfolio and that's part, that's just part of the equation. And mm-hmm. it means that if you want to hire that person, that portfolio needs to be so good as for you to not care what the answers are to the other questions. Yeah. Right. And well, you're not always going to be able to answer them all in a job interview. So mm-hmm. like, it's yeah. helpful to get out there and be known in, in some capacity. And it doesn't mean be well known, it just means, Allow yourself to be known. So you remember the part of that where part of the art side is the communication, right? That's why throwing your portfolio out once a year at the same game company isn't necessarily going to net you this job or even a communication of any form because they don't know how you communicate. They don't know how you work with another team. Mm -hmm. And even, and that's why you said that like one job can set off another job because it's it's word of mouth it's the same thing mm-hmm. it's communication is just as important in art as creating the art itself mm-hmm. because you can have somebody who makes brilliant pieces but if they can't if they can't accept that there are no birds in this world and they keep putting birds in they're going to be a problem <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that's very true <laughs> You know, it, it goes back to that thing that we all feel about imposter syndrome, where we think about like how we got whatever successes we've gotten in our lives. And we're like, well, mm-hmm. I only got that because it was from a friend of mine, or I only got that because I was working that one job and then it was it was just connected to that client. I, you know, because we tend to think of of making it as as like being discovered on the street rather than. Mm. And so it's really easy to discount your own uh, successes and accomplishments because you didn't feel like you 100% earned them because you were 80% of the way there because of who you know or who was already familiar with or the last thing you had or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't fit the myth of success. Right. That that communication that Heather's talking about is is such a big part of it, but we don't value it enough. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but like you were saying before too, Mark, like it's not a metric in which we can judge well you don't have good or no ellen you have brought that up that like you know we we don't judge people based on their teamwork skills well we do judge people based on their teamwork skills but we don't have metrics with which we can judge people Mm -hmm. based on their teamwork skills and maybe that's something we should do i don't know i'm sure there are i'm sure there are systems out there that Mm -hmm. let people evaluate other people based on their teamwork skills and i can you know do well those systems exist because we don't do it naturally yeah. Right. Um, they they had to be put together. Or or we do, but it's more subjective or something. Yeah. 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 And that's it. It's a subjective. It goes back to that. Both sides of that creative coin are subjective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, people can say that I'm I'm charismatic or I'm 
you know, good at this, but other people might be like, mm, she's pushy. Like <laughs> it's it's a it's a balance, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Like it's 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 definitely it's definitely still subjective, just like people's thoughts of the of your art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My dog is sleep working. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, uh, Heather, before we go, I want to hear uh, more about the work you're doing on Call Me Sarah. We had Alana on the show a couple weeks ago, and she was a treat. Uh, and we heard a bit about the game. But I want to hear about your part of it. Yeah. Um, so this is, as as you've probably heard from Alana, um, it is a very mental health positive game. Like, this is... It's all about setting healthy boundaries, not just with other people, but with yourself, right? Um, learning to start over. And this actually has a big has a big effect on me right now. And and I feel like one of the reasons why Alana brought me into this project is because I understand. I understand who Sarah is on a very deep level. Um, I've started over a couple of times now. Um, I've, when I moved to New York City, uh, when I moved up north from New York City, when I, when I moved out to um, Minnesota, right? Um, this starting over and this refreshing and this finding a new tribe and this giving yourself worth as you're recovering from whatever it is that you're moving from or whatever it is you're moving to, right? that is a huge part of this game and i think that's one thing that she knew that i understood on a deep level Hmm. so it's something that i want to make sure that we express correctly because it's something that so many of us i think could relate to um besides that that's the other part of call me sarah is something i actually argued with (laughs) <laughs> argued uh, more had a discussion it was less of an argument it started as an argument but then communication skills came in um, with my partner right mm-hmm. um we're trying to display we're trying to display a town society as it should be not as maybe everyone has perceived it to be mm-hmm. so i am illustrating all of these characters as as a very diverse cast of characters we're focusing it around um we're focusing around a woman obviously um a millennial woman hmm, <laughs> ah, hmm. yes um choose that? again yeah i don't know why we choose that but um i joke that so alana gave me per, like this whole design for sarah and I always feel weird drawing Sarah because I feel like Sarah looks like Alana and I's child. Um, she doesn't know that I feel this way, but <laughs> but I do. She it's got, she's got Alana's hair, and then she's got like my nose, and like it's weird. But um, she gave me all the details for this. This is one character that I actually had every detail from the person asking it for me. But um, but I I want to see the world as it should be in this game like uh, obviously there's going to be conflict there's going to be issues there's always going to be issues you know you balance the good with the bad but as far as like the diversity of the cast the the people that you encounter the people with the different backgrounds who are willing to talk about their different backgrounds or willing to express in some way their different backgrounds instead of everyone hiding it right Mm -hmm. um i 
had we had this conversation. We have um, we have one character who is um, a Pakistani hijabi, right? She's she's beautiful and I love her. She's adorable and I she's my favorite character. Okay, I love her. <laughs> she has a food truck, but <laughs> but and I love food. All right, she and I could be like spiritual like sisters in that way that we're like yes, let's just let's feed everybody, but. Um, we were discussing the different types of, and there's different styles and whatnot of hijab that you could put on. Um, and we, we went through a couple iterations. I chose one because I was like, this is really good because it would keep out of the way of her job. And this would be, but it was an older tying style. And, and the feedback of it was like, okay, it's cute, but it's like super early 2000s. Come on. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but going back, you know, one of the feedback we got was, well, you know, these people over here wear it this way because it's safer because people are less likely to be able to grab it and pull it off our heads. Mm. And I, at one, on one side of me, I want to show people that side, but on the other side of me, I don't want our town Fernvi to be that sort of environment that someone would have to be afraid like Mm. that. Yeah. I want them to be able to express themselves. So I want to create a design that shows that they are comfortable being themselves in this town. Um, so I don't want to, I don't want to take and suppress that, that experience. That's an experience that I think should be voiced somewhere in there, but I want it also to be noted that this town is a safer place, um, because this is a place where you're, you're healing and you're recovering and rebuilding your life in. Mm -hmm. Um, and to the, to me, this game is very important because of that, Mm -hmm. um, because of that feeling in this town and honestly it's a town with an arcade like (laughs) yes (laughs) so it's already the way things should be right it's already the way things should be like the old cabinet style like they're skee-ball all right (laughs) (laughs) i I love the the depth that you're expressing in 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 the the, the smallest of creative choices and what they mean in the larger context i think that's um that's I, I'm just adore that that level of detail that you're putting into it. That's not necessarily going to be broadcast for the player, but informs so much of the ultimate shape of the thing. And I think that's yeah. that's fantastic. I think everybody should uh, endeavor to have that level of of thoughtfulness. Yeah, I appreciate that. I want to move there. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> that's the hope. That's the hope. Is like you come out of this game and you're like, yeah, I could, I could sit down roots here like i like this place let's build it it's cute it's not perfect but it's cute it's nice it's cozy yeah (laughs) there's a coffee shop like that's no secret yeah and people can go out and meet each other (laughs) yeah it's science fiction this is a a fantasy (laughs) (laughs) the most unrealistic part of our game is literally that someone um someone can like actually have social time to go out and like go to lunch at the food truck park and hang out with people and then go back to work (laughs) and then still have time in the evening to go to the you know the park or whatever like (laughs) that's the most unrealistic part of this it's like stardew like stardew you can't even do that like you get to the end of your harvesting day and you're like oh it's time to hit the hay <laughs> so in in the universe of Kami Sarah, it's like a 36 hour day night cycle then okay 
God, it has to be because <laughs> yeah. like that's how long I need to just play all the way through Area 51. <laughs> like, give me a cabinet, but I'll be there. I'll my entire life savings and coins is right next to me. <laughs> of all the references that I <laughs> Area 50, the arcade Area 51 game, I never thought I'd hear that on this show. <laughs> Amazing. Decidedly not a nice game. It's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brings me back, though. <laughs> uh, okay, so before we end, Heather, do you have anything that we uh, that we didn't get to that you want to talk about on the show? Uh, no, I mean, I think we we went pretty well in depth with, you know, imposter syndrome, the art industry. I would say, you know, actually, I think I want to say if anybody's looking to get into it, um, it's, I hate the old saying of, of the best time to do something is yesterday. The next best time is today. That being said, do it right. Um, this is something that's been, uh, 10 years in progress for me and it might not be the biggest project in the world. It might not be, you know, the next big thing thing but it is something and i am proud of it and i think that it's it's worth doing and it's worth making and if you can keep if you can keep your head up and you can keep creating and you keep talking to people and sharing your creations and you know interacting with other people's creations and just keep going eventually you'll find that it's worth it and regardless of what that voice in your head tells you, that voice, by the way, that imposter syndrome voice that tells you you're not good enough, your stuff, they're going to all see how bad your stuff is. They're going to see how crooked the uh, the face is on your character. They're going to see how extra long your arms are, whatever it is, right? That, that voice is telling you that you're not good enough and everybody's going to catch that at some point. That's lying to you. Mm-hmm. It is It is being mean to the kind person that you are and you should you should tell that voice that all right thank you for the feedback let's try this next one now get out now get out (laughs) and i don't want to hear you until it's critique time and then i want to hear you after critique time for like five seconds and i'm gonna go have a cup of tea (laughs) It's 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 break time for you. Go sit on the bench. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Take a walk. Take a walk around the block. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Heather, this has been um, a great conversation and a lot of fun. And also, I think something I, I personally, I think, needed to hear this weekend. So thank you. Good timing and good advice. Well, keep being awesome. <laughs> I'll do my best. Um, so where can our listeners find you on the Internet? All right. I am uh, on. Twitch, Twitter, uh, Instagram, DevArt, uh, most of them. Uh, Twitch, DevArt, uh, Instagram, Facebook, all at Thunderbird Paints, one word, and that is paints, not pants, although everybody calls me pants online because they misread it. <laughs> um, and that's totally okay. If you come on and comment, uh, hello, pants, I'm totally okay with it. But um, if you go to Twitter, I couldn't get at Thunderbird Paints, so it's at T-Bird Paints. Cool. So that is that is the easiest way to find me. Have you considered pants officially? Mm. <laughs> I have considered pants officially, but I've actually it's turned out that that's my alter ego. Oh. So occasionally oh. <laughs> I break out the goatee and the mustache 
And um, <laughs> I actually like come on as Thunderbird pants, and that's when I draw memes. So, <laughs> it's uh, Thunderbird pants asked. is the one that draws <laughs> yeah. all the like lewd, hilarious stuff, like you know, <laughs> like all the good memes. Um, you can't see those on my website, uh, thunderbirdpaints.com, but you can see them mostly on my Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> everywhere else it's like it's fine <laughs> pants sometimes gets a hold of my twitter don't mind him it's fine. <laughs> this is temporary yeah all right well we'll include links to those uh in the show notes so our listeners can find you and take a look at your work and the work of thunderbird pants <laughs> it's worth it it's worth it he's a funny dude <laughs> that's our show Check out our website, nicegames.club, for show notes and links to resources on today's topics. If you like this episode, give us a review on your favorite podcast app and tell your friends. Independent podcasts like ours rely on word of mouth to grow. We love hearing from our listeners. That's you. For a quick way to give us feedback on the show, head over to nicegames.club slash feedback and fill out the short little form. You can also get in touch with your nice hosts on Twitter at nicegamesclub where Dale tweets about game dev resources and giant chef hats. That's chef with a capital C. <laughs> or you can email us through contact at nicegames.club. Ask us questions, suggest topics, or just say hi. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. Okay, so pause it for a second. Uh, anything else? Should we hit the outro? I think we're good. I think so. Okay. Good to go. Let me scroll down so I can actually read the tweet. <laughs> Excellent. Giant chef hats. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.